This is episode 314 for July 2014. And if you're a fan of this show, please help support it by going to the front page of the SpidermanCrawlspace.com and look on the right-hand side for a button that says Support This Site via PayPal. You can ensure more episodes are coming out, and you can also help us pay the bills and keep the lights on. On with the show. Hey, Crawl Spacers, welcome to our July edition. Let me tell you who's on the line. We've got Spectacular Mike. What's going on, Spec? Well, I'm still a nerd, and I'm still looking for love, Brad. There, and all the wrong places online, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we also have Mr. Michael Bailey. Welcome, Michael. Uh, I prefer to be the Buttwee and Wookenpanub in all the wrong places. <laughs> Classic Eddie Murphy skit from the 80s in Saturday Night Live. Love that thing. And we have George. What's going on, George? Uh, not much. Stuff's kind of quiet here. We're expecting a dip yep. from the 100-degree mark to around the 80s here towards the end of the week. That's very Texas. nice. Yeah. It's not triple digits. If this is global warming, sign me up. Shit. I, <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. And we have JR. Welcome, JR. Hey, Brad. Senator Aiken's in the news. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, really? I, I, really? I, I, yes, I've been, I've been looking in the backgrounds in, on his speeches trying to find somebody in a Spider-Man shirt so that I can uh, make it a Spider-Man news item. So uh, I, haven't seen it, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm not maybe, maybe, maybe we can prove that Aiken uh, stole all of his materials from, you know, uh, some 50s costume. We're gonna, and, yeah, we're gonna tie uh, Aiken into Ditko later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, well, Aiken is Ditko. Uh, there you go. Mind blown. <laughs> you guys. All right. Anyway, uh, before guys, we get to the news, <laughs> before we get to the news, we've got a lot of iTunes reviews. So let me read them. They, they, we've got uh, four or five of them. Uh, this one is from Awesome365. The subject is What a Webtastic Podcast. This is my first podcast review, and I sure am glad it's you guys. I just love all of your entries. From the most recent interview of the author of the Spider-Man book to the old rants about One More Day, ignore the haters. They say you guys hate all today's comics. They just don't realize that if a comic is bad, you say it straight up, no sugarcoating. Also because of you guys' insightfulness in the Spider-Man realm, where I talk to my friends after seeing a Spider-Man movie, they give me these blank stares due to me picking up so many Easter eggs due to the newly acquired in-depth knowledge. Lastly, I'm sorry about you guys losing your sponsor. I'll try to donate when I can. Keep on trucking. From your fellow website user, it's Michael Reed. P.S. No one will deny our love anymore, George. <laughs> wow. All right. Well, you, you just could have called out, George. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, all right. We have uh, Peter Palmer Parker, uh, five out of five stars. Great podcast. This is my favorite podcast that is out right now. Brad is a great host and brings up good topics that are entertaining and funny. J.R. is comedic with his sense of humor. I disagree. Don't encourage <laughs> And viewpoint of Spider-Man and Spider-History. The segment is amazing, spectacular, and sensational. Yeah, and take that, George... you son of a bitch who wrote in about eight months ago or whatever and said you didn't like Spider-History. Up yours. <laughs> And when George reviews a comic or Ultimate Spider-Man episode, the review entertains me every time. Damn right. And and Michael B. brings a different opinion that makes me see a new side to the comics. And Spectacular Mike is a good addition to this great podcast. Thank you all for taking time out of your lives to put together an excellent podcast. So it was very nice. Although I'm pretty good. What, Spec? I'm just saying, I'm just merely... Talking to the microphone. I'm just saying, I'm just really good. 
instead of because well, you donated because after all, I'm spectacular. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, you have. I mean, no, but seriously, thanks for the thanks for the. Um, <laughs> that was nice. Those, uh, compliments. Yeah. Husky Pride, five out of five stars. Spider-Man podcast, go for it. Since Brad Douglas first started posting the Spider-Man Crawlspace podcast, I've been listening, and I would check the Crawlspace regularly for new episodes, and while I waited, I would visit the Crawlspace message boards regularly. Something I love about the podcast, it has something for every Spider-Man fan, whether you are the diehard Spider-Man fan like Brad, or the Spider-Man history guru like JR, the Spider-Man Crawlspace podcast, one of the best ones online. The podcast helps me get through some tough times in 2008, and then later, from 2010 to 2012, as it always brought a smile to my face and a healthy laugh as I dealt with unemployment, debt, and other tough times like Peter Parker does. In, I know. The entire crew of the podcast brings something original to each episode, and the guest stars from Tom DeFalco to even the original Spider-Friends cast make it a true joy to listen to each and every month. Keep up the great work, guys. That's cool. That was very nice. Sorry to hear he had a, a bad spot there. I can, I can totally sympathize. Mm-hmm. Isn't that when One More Day came out? We all had one. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, there was that plus the unemployment thing that he talked about. Right, right, right. Yeah, all, everything <laughs> on top of the other. One more yeah. day. Yeah. And then there was the Friday that uh, uh, George told Stella and I that he thought he was going to die because he hadn't slept in like three days. <laughs> no, there True. was a time I remember that I could not, for whatever reason, I couldn't sleep. And I had slept deprivation, and I, I probably sounded like a zombie, but I did. I was worried. I was just going to kick over. I was like, I don't know what this is, but this is horrible. I, if, I, th- I think I did. I told Bailey and Stella like one night on Skype. I was like, you know what? If I, I really like y'all, so just you know, <laughs> just so I can say that in case y'all don't ever get to talk to me again. I was, I was worried. The we have three more message board reviews, and the reason we have so many is I gave away a book. That's why. <laughs> Remember the the Spider Man uh, writer that I that wrote The World According to Spider-Man, I asked. Mm-hmm. The contest was uh, uh, you had to write an iTunes review and you would win the book. And I just found out who won it. I couldn't remember, but I, I have found the email that I yeah, sent but, it off to. but Brad, people were going to post uh, reviews and talk about how awesome JR and I are anyway. <laughs> that, yes, with me coaxing them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the winner of that contest is Superior Nincat, N-Y-A-N, Cat. Uh, I liked his best his review best because it gave the subject title uh, was five out of five drunken JRs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he gave it five out of five stars, and he says the plot summary. He uh, the podcast he did it like a review, which I like. Plot summary: the podcast has it all. When they say they cover all things Spidey, they mean it. You get a great analysis on anything Spider-related in comics, movies, TV, Broadway, clothing, celebrities, bacon, and even the kinky stuff. I really do appreciate the amount of work they, they put into the podcast. Aside from covering Spider-News, they review all the Spider-satellites, good or bad. They review the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon. They do Friday Night Fights and answer message board questions. And, oh, let's not forget the wonderful interviews. The cast. What really makes this podcast special are the people involved. First and foremost, Brad is a hard, hardcore spider Spider-Man fan, he goes above and beyond to make this podcast really great. George is a fearless and hilarious man. He would go into the pits of hell writing Stegron with Swarm in his side and pimp slap Mephisto if he could. I sure would. I sure <laughs> so wouldn't sell my marriage to him. I love that. He would write into the pits of hell. JR is the most knowledgeable one of the bunch. Well, I disagree on that. And his expertise... <laughs> 
is indispensable, indispensable to the podcast. <laughs> Plus, he loves his marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, Brad. Gr- uh, green is such a bad color on you as far as <laughs> jealousy and everything. So, maybe. <sighs> also, Michael and Fake Michael bring their own <laughs> opinions on an issue that further stimulates the conversation. The show has seen people come and go, but I believe this is one of the best incarnations of our beloved cast. The verdict. They may seem a bit negative at times, but sometimes the truth is cold. If they like an issue, you'll know it. If they don't, they'll list their reasons and to why they dislike it. I may disagree with their opinions sometimes, but that doesn't stop me. Overall, I give this pot Overall, this podcast is great. You can truly tell each and every one of them loves Spider-Man. Seriously, though, you know they're great when they review Spider-Man Triple <laughs> X. Man. No. Speaking of... Shut up, Brad. <laughs> Speaking of, back in June, Spider-Man Triple X 2 was released, and uh, I think it's about time for another one of those reviews I, coming up. What do you think? I'm aware. <laughs> okay, we've got two more. From D-Rock, 17, 5 out of 5 stars, Spider-Man was the subject title. Since the dawn of time, was written in stone that one day a group of amazing minds would come together to create a superior podcast. Well, that day has come. I mean, it came several years ago and when the crawl space started. I've been a listener for almost two years now, and I have to say this is the podcast I look forward to most each month. Brad and the guys are so much fun to listen to, and they're all very knowledgeable when it comes to Spider-Man. I highly recommend this podcast to any Spider-Fan, whether you're a fan of the comics, the TV shows, the movies, the video games, etc. The crawl space has covered easy five stars. I was shocked because when he said superior minds, I, I thought he was talking about somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> Last one. Post wow, June really? Pro- we got that many? I know, yeah. dude. Wow. Uh, uh, Baron Von Jeff <laughs> is, is the name. Uh, does whatever a podcast can. Five out of five stars. I listen to a lot of comic book themed podcasts, but I am the most excited when I see a new Crawl Space episode available. The guys exude great passion and excitement for the Spider-Man universe, when is, which is passed on to the listener. I've been a Spider-Man fan for a long time, but the guys have taught me a lot and recommended some great stuff that I may not have found otherwise. Friday Night Fights and Spider History are my favorites. <laughs> I re- you're right, George and JR. No, it was not. It was nice. It's very nice, yeah. and I recommend the podcast to everyone. If you get mad when people have different and are negative opinions of things you like, then you should probably get over that and listen to the podcast. After all, it's just opinions, and it's all subjective, but we all love the webhead. Love the show, guys. Keep it up. Huh. That's the last one. So that was a very yeah. nice yeah, very good, very good month. And we uh, officially have topped 100 ratings on um, iTunes, and we have 66 customer uh, written reviews. Wow. So thank you for everybody for that one. We're in the triple digits now. So just type in Spider-Man on iTunes and under podcasts, and you can write a review, and I will read it on the air. So thank you very much, Gary. And i, I got to say thanks again for, to everybody for all the kind words. And I know I speak for myself, and I have to speak for JR because he's too liquored up right now. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, since he's liquored up, let's get him early. Uh, JR, you've got the first topic. There's a Goblin miniseries and a Carnage miniseries coming out in Spider News. We're going to tackle that one first. What do we got coming? Yeah, be still my beaten heart. Um, (laughs) Yeah, uh, Axis Carnage and Axis Hobgoblin 
will kick off in October through November. Now, Axis is apparently another one of those brain-dead crossovers that we're expected to buy uh, every year. And uh, apparently the the Red Skull is up to something devious with uh, uh, Apocalypse's armor or whatever the hell. I don't know. He has, and he's go- he has Professor Charles Xavier's brain embedded in his, in his, in his head. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow, that, that, sounds, that, 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 that sounds even that's worse. That's a story than from Uncanny join- Avengers, basically, was one of the yeah. first ones. So That sounds even worse than Conjoined Twins, but anyway. <laughs> uh, so, of course, I'm breathlessly awaiting all the um, spinoffs of this. And uh, the one I'm really anticipating is Carnage, because that's one of my favorite characters. And here <laughs> is the description. Okay. All right. When Marvel last left the character in last year's Superior Carnage miniseries, uh, which I didn't read, uh, the Carnage symbiote had successfully bonded with Cletus Casty once again, restoring his once lobotomized mind, and probably nobody noticed. Anyway, Carnage will return to Manhattan with major status quo upheaval that no New Yorker will see coming. Marvel says the overhaul ties directly into the main series' still-secret twist which will apparently turn the Marvel Universe on its head. Uh, Rick's plan, Rick is the writer, I guess. Rick's plan is so wonderfully insane that nothing much can be said. It's going to shock and appall just about everybody. Now the news, grass is green, water is wet, and the Pope is Catholic, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you know, the Marvel Universe will never be the same again until next year's crossover. Well, I'm actually looking forward to the Hobgoblin one. One. Tell me a bit about that. Well, that's the thing. Don't really know much about it. Um, yeah. Um, as far as why the Hobgoblin's in it, that's another topic coming up later. But mm-hmm. it's just that the Hobgoblin's going to return to New York. Hey, hey. Yeah. And he's going to be in it. <clears throat> hey. And we know nothing right. else other than it's Kingsley. And uh, Right. That's what makes me interested in yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, it will. and that one, yeah, I, I'm kind of curious as to how they're going to rope Kingsley into this because he's not a joiner. You know, uh, right. he definitely is not a joiner. Um, but uh, I don't know. It's that might be worth a look. I mean, it's, it, it'll certainly be worth burn stealing at least the first issue or so. Right. Let's uh, open it up. What do you guys? Anybody picking this up besides me? Hell no. No. <laughs> Probably just cursory um, glances at it, just to see, you know maybe just see what's going on or whatever it is, because how it, how it's going to affect anything. But not really. My cup of tea, basically. The Hobgoblin has more potential than the Carnage one, obviously. I think we would all agree on that one. That one, I, mm, I could actually pick that one up. I'm not picking up the new the new Adventures of Mason Banks, but I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll I, I could maybe pick the Hobgoblin. I'm not getting this whole X-axis crap, whatever that. I is. just I just find it kind of strange mm. that that that, car, that they're selecting Carnage as part of this group of villains to uh, part to go up against you know as part of the Red Skull's crew essentially. It's just, it's kind of an odd choice. So, but maybe that maybe then again that's why they're doing it. So, who knows? Yeah. Uh, JR, let's tackle your other thing. It's another Axis thing. It, it, they changed goblins and some tease images. It was originally the Green Goblin. Now they changed him to the Hobgoblin in the crossover. What's that about? Well, I really don't know. Uh, but uh, okay. <laughs> you know, the, yeah, originally the Green Goblin was listed in the or was shown in all the promo pictures, and uh, then all of a sudden uh, the the cover went back to uh, to color and he came back orange and black. And basically, it was stated that the Green Goblin's participation was shelved and the Hobgoblin was added because the regular spider office has plans for the Green Goblin. 
So, and apparently those would conflict with whatever this Axis crap is. So, uh, <laughs> the Hobgoblin is being substituted, uh, which, frankly, I think is good. I, um, I you know, I, I we had our uh, we had our years of Norman being a uh, you know badass threatening the Marvel universe. Uh, I, I don't really see him being part of anybody's crew, to be honest. Even even less than Kingsley. Uh, no, I just don't see it at all. So I think it. Uh, I think. Uh, I think it's a good move. I'm glad he's not part of it. I find it odd that on the cover image of the Axis, it was the Green Goblin, and then what? Two, three weeks later, they release. It's going to. There's going to be a Hobgoblin miniseries. Do you think they just randomly put that together, or what? Do you think it was an error? I don't. I just didn't get that. I'm guessing it was probably a miscommunication between the offices. Yeah. Essentially, do like, you think there was already a plan for Hobgoblin mini? Um. Or they just kind of figured, like, well, you know what, we can maybe we can just kind of milk this for all it's worth, since it is going to be a crossover, so we've got to have tie-ins, so... Marvel never says that. No, of course. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> yeah. Any, anybody picking up Axis besides me? Yeah. Michael? I mean, like no. I... Like Neither I, Michael. <laughs> like, I said, like I said, I'd just be just curious, maybe just curious yeah. to see what's, you know how it's going to affect anything, but, you know, because there are rumors about what it's supposedly going to be, you know, what what's supposedly supposed to happen in this, but... Yeah. Um, All right. Uh, let's see. I, I think that's mainly all the Marvel... Uh, let's go off, off the beaten Spider-Man news path, which I like to do. Uh, George, let me have you take this one. You wrote an op-ed mm. editorial... Uh, defending uh, Spider-Man's co-daddy. <laughs> yeah, so there's a site out what there. It's called Comics Alliance. Uh, Bailey, I'm sure you, you've seen it a time or two. It sounds familiar, yeah. Co- Comics Alliance. <laughs> they, were mm-hmm. a, they were a comic site that uh, AOL ran, um, and then AOL stopped Comics Alliance and something else it was doing for music in 2013. And the comics community, or a part of it, just, oh, was apoplectic. Oh, how can they shut down Comics Alliance? It's the last, it's the last real journalism site out there. Comics <laughs> 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 oh, journalism. Right. I know, right? <laughs> so, I don't think there is a comics journalism site there's, out there. No, there's not. Both CBR no, they're, they're all bought and sold. No, there's not. Both Newsrama and CBR, which are... No, Bleeding Cool is the same. Well, Bleeding Cool actually does. They kind of do a little bit. They kind of they kind of pride themselves of being a little it, bit more tab- yeah, but tabloid. Yeah, the journalistic kind of integrity of the National Enquirer. Yeah, yeah. I would yeah, that's true. I was going to say Bleeding Cool is more like the TMZ. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, now that being said, I do think there's more journalism at Bleeding Cool than there is at either Newsrama or CBR. Yeah, I would agree on that. that. <laughs> okay. So. Oh, no, when, you're not, when you're not constantly reposting interviews and, and press releases, you, you know, you can call yourself journalists. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so, Oh, okay. wait, top ten lists. we got to do top ten lists that are stupid. And you can't read them all on one page. you got to keep clicking next to see more ads. That reminds me. I just updated Adblock Plus. Uh, it took me about a week, but I think... I have eliminated every ad script known to man that exists on the interwebs. <laughs> you would be amazed at how fast stuff loads. <laughs> you really would be. Okay, so anyway. Comics Alliance. So, so Comics Alliance, and apparently I, – and I went back and did some digging into what they've reported on Stan in the past. Basically, they're just douchebag hipsters who hate Stan Lee. <laughs> and I, I, I'm going to warn folks. Now, I know people know me for being a calm voice of reason. 
I know I have that reputation on right. the and and, Yeah, well earned, I must add. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm, I get a little unhinged over this. I am sick and effing tired of people attacking Stan Lee. I just I have hit the roof with it. I'm not going to tolerate it anymore. And every time I see it, I'm going to start busting people in the Tic Tacs <laughs> because it is stupid. And it, it says way more about you than it does about Stan Lee. Trust me on this. If you show me anybody that says, well, this guy over here hates Stan Lee, that automatically speaks volumes about you <laughs> and about where you're coming from and about you know whatever – you know, pro Kirby, Kirby got shafted screed you wrote on your iPad while sipping overpriced coffee at a Starbucks. <laughs> you know, crying about social media where somebody said something nice about Stanley. I'm sorry, what, Bailey? I was about to say that goes into a whole other thing, too, but I'll let and you finish. What you're doing. Now, this is, this is not denigrating anything that Ditko or Kirby or anyone else did. Mm-hmm. I like the work. I admire and appreciate the work that both Steve Ditko and, and Jack Kirby did. To like Stan Lee is to not want to crap on those men. It is not. Mm-hmm. It is absolutely not. Oh, I, okay. I think it it goes to the heart of the fact that comics fans, and, and, and this is most fandoms in general, but I think comics fans are particularly susceptible to this because we, we usually deal, especially since most of us are into superhero books, we, we're into good versus evil. So yes. so, yeah. so having a bad guy, uh, you know, works out just fine. This is why the, the, the Kirby versus the world debates or the let's get some, you know, props for Bill Finger uh, which is something I actually agree with, but it's just we've got to stop arguing about this because, to be fair, none of us, especially on this call, were there. Mm-hmm. We mm-hmm. don't know what happened. And by the way, everything you like happened because her. You know, if you want to believe that Kirby got the shaft, the Avengers movie would have never happened if Kirby didn't get that shaft. Okay, so don't sit there and enjoy the profits and the fruit of this horrible inequity that you're arguing against at the same time of arguing against it. It's, uh, you know, I I think George hit it, hit the nail on the head. This is hit. And it's not all not all. I think there are some people that are out there that specifically and, and, and genuinely believe that they're fighting the good fight. But it's not a fight to have. There are things in the world to get pissed off about besides yeah. Jack Kirby not getting his props from Stan Lee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and okay, so to set this all up, to explain what Comics Lines actually did here, <clears throat> I don't know if any of you have seen, Stan has a YouTube channel. He's, it's called Stan's Rants. Yeah, I've seen where, it. Where Stan just goofs on something old man style. Mm-hmm. He, he, he yeah, does like, I know what if, that's like. Yeah, if you exactly. JR does this anytime he talks. It's and, so, and, and in honesty and fairness, so do I. Yeah. But they're just they're goofy. He it, it's a self parody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's having he's fun. just having fun. You can even tell by the cheesy, you know, you know, schmaltzy music at the end of it. This is meant in jest. Well, Comics Alliance seizes on something he did because he ranted on long credits at the end of the movie. And he's like, I don't want to know who the guy was that drove so and so to the set. I don't want to know who made a sandwich for this guy. And it's, you know, it's actually pretty humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, so Comics Alliance uses that, and from that – they and I've posted the video on our website, uh, again, yeah. in my op-ed. But from that, Comics Alliance crafts – the guy's name was Matt D. Wilson. 
crafts a headline that says, Stan Lee's least favorite part of a movie is the only place Jack Kirby's name can actually be seen. And I about hit the goddamn roof. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it, 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 it's amazing to me how far this crowd needs to go in order to demonize this man, and I have effing had it. The first time I saw anybody mention this was uh, Scott Kurtz. Scott Kurtz, who does PV, a comic called PVP. Um, it, he did his own comic for a while uh, through Image, uh, but he's, it's an online comic. It's very funny stuff. If you're into gaming, uh, if you're into the gaming industry and you like you know, just stuff that's funny, it, it's, a, it's an entertaining thing. I actually ate dinner with him a couple of times back because he's from North Texas. I think he's from Little Elm. Uh, which is just about 20 miles away from me. And I actually ate dinner a couple of times with this guy back when I was working for Hero Realm. Very, very nice guy. But he has a very low tolerance for Jack Asprey also, and he's the one that first noticed this, and I saw it on his Twitter feed, and I was like, holy crap, what? WTF? <laughs> and so you go and, and you um, you know, you know, you start reading this one, and then you, you read back you know, on things they've, other things they've written about Stanley, and every one of them, they just go out of their way make mountains out of mohills and look for any goddamn small thing to just rail on Stanley about. And I've had it. If you're listening and you're from Comics Alliance, F you. <laughs> Do you notice the first line of a se- of the article is Ravage 2099 yeah, okay, yeah, and yeah, Stripperilla co-creator yeah. and, Stanley. And I don't want to quote all I, I don't want to quote a lot of yeah. crap cuz it is that it's crap. Yeah. But what yeah, that's the first thing they do. They say they they identify Stanley as as Ravage 29 and Stripper co-creator. They do this re- repeatedly by the way. This is something they've done before mm-hmm. because it's a cute little inside joke for these goddamn hipsters. But and, and you know, my retort was that, okay, yeah, Ravage 2099 and Stripper are co-creator on top of co-creating other laughable stuff you've probably never effing heard of. You know like Spider-Man, X-Men, The Avengers, The Fantastic 4, completely insignificant stuff. Let's open it up to the panel a little bit. What do you think of – do you think there's a, a little bit more hatred towards Stanley as of late? I think as the Kirby lawsuit has gone. Yeah, I think – going. That's, that's, I um, think there's been a little backlash towards Stan. Yeah, I mean that, that's um, – I'm listening to the George's recounting of this, this. I almost have to wonder if the author of the piece himself stays for the credits of films. If that's the thing he's complaining about, oh, that Stan Lee does not, you know, does complain about, oh, you know, ingesting like this, because, I mean, who here has actually stayed for the credits of films other than Ferris Bueller's Day Off? So, well, I do but Marvel the, movies, maybe yeah. the Marvel movies, maybe <laughs> the Marvel movies to see like the, yeah, see the, teaser, the you know, the the singer at the end. But um, and as for the uh, Kirby lawsuit thing, I mean, that's, I mean, you know, you've heard about recent stuff about how that's already going. They're trying to petition that to the Supreme Court now. Good luck. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because I mean, cause, I mean it's a, if you because if you look at the details of the thing, it seems pretty evident that this was work for hire um, stuff and everything, which means that you know, you know, uh, well, although it kind of sucks, the Kirby Estate's not really going to get much, you know, credit or something like that. I mean, it'd be not, it'd be nice and everything, but you know, them's the breaks. And Stanley's uh, even said that before. He's like. You know, because they've asked him about creators' rights, and he's like, "When I worked at Marvel, I was working for Marvel. Everything I did was owned by right. Marvel, right? Yeah. You know, and it's something that apparently other people just didn't get. They just well, didn't understand it. Well, part of the difficulty is too that you're dealing with two different copyright uh, acts. Essentially, there is because um, there was because I mean, you're talking they're talking of issue of like whether this is counts. You know, because all this stuff was occurring before the Copyright Act of 1976, I believe it is, and then or the you know, and whether that can apply to this one to the um, to the case or not. So, but yeah, it's it's one of these things where it seems 
there's a there's a there's a thing in here that they feel like you have to about you know about creators' rights and everything. Like they figure that since these guys were essentially co collaborators, they should be able to, you know they kind of feel like oh well, how much how much input did they creative input that they had versus Stan Lee because you know but. But yeah, I mean, essentially, I mean, it's just, it's essentially kind of like the Steve Ditko thing too. I mean, yeah, yeah. I tell you what, these same sites, these same douchebag sites that create these clickbait headlines, right? Yeah. These same sites is the day stands no longer with us, and God Almighty, what a dark day that will be. <laughs> I'm, I, I, we say that I'll I'll be soul crushed. I really, I mean, the guy's old and he's had a great life, but I mean, I will. I'll be like, this is the day the comics died for me. But yeah. you know, at the same time. These same sites, how much do you want to bet? Like as soon as Stan dies, they'll run these. You know, they'll they'll either run these these pieces and say, oh, you know, we said a lot of things, but oh, what a great guy, or either that or they'll just take the opportunity again to you know to piss all over someone who honestly, if that meant for Stanley, you might not even know who the hell Jack Kirby is. Mm. So anyway, I we, we haven't we haven't heard from Bailey and Jr. Jr. Let's hear your thoughts on this. Do you think there's been a recent backlash towards Stanley? Well, I have to confess, I'm apparently out of the loop on some of the news. I uh, wasn't really aware all this Comics Alliance stuff was going on, and uh, I don't know about any recent backlash. But they're just you know for the last several years, there just seems to be you know not just uh, not just you know rampant revisionism, but you know, trying to completely negate Stan's part of in the Marvel yeah. universe, and uh, you know, it's 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 just gotten old. It's almost like you know, like George has said, people are just saying this shit. You know, I mean, do they really believe it, or are they just trying to get attention to themselves, or is it because that's you know the cool thing to do is to denigrate Stan and his contributions? I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, when you read Marvel comic books, you know, when you read Spider Man. Okay, you know, Ditko drew it, Ditko came up with the villains, but Stan gave Spider-Man his voice. Stan created Peter Parker. I mean, and that, and, you know, when you read the Fantastic Four, I mean, I I still think that's Stan. So, you know, and and we're not going to know what went on 50 years ago. There's no records. There's no documentation. Everybody worked their ass off, probably for not nearly enough money, and then all of a sudden these things became popular. And uh, you know, it's a he said, she said thing. There's no paper trail, you know. So yeah, yeah it, it's it's gotten old, and it's 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 time to it's just time to move on. And, and this thing with the Kirby family, I mean, I'm sorry, you know, when you overreach, you know, and you try to grab credit for Spider-Man, for example, when just Everybody knows he had virtually nothing to do with Spider-Man. When you overreach like that, to me, you just shoot your entire credibility. So, yeah, Mr. Bailey, your thoughts? Well, like I was kind of saying before, uh, I don't understand why people are wanting to have a dog in any of these races. Because, yeah. frankly, the the way things played out led to everything that happened today. You know. And we we can argue about injustices. We can argue about not getting paid. And to be fair, there were times where Jack Kirby might have gotten a little more of the limelight. And for whatever reason, the people uh, writing the articles chose to focus on Stan. And Stan, you know, being a representative of a company, didn't really do too much to negate that. But you know what? That doesn't make Stan a bad guy. You know, and, and the fact that I'll I'll focus more on the hipster douchebags that George was talking about because (laughs) 
<laughs> Hipsters are my mortal enemies, for one thing. If you wear a trilby and you're not 80 years old, I have a problem with you. They are the um, most aggravating form of troll in, in comics <laughs> fandom. And, and, but, 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 he, but like I was saying, it, it's just, it doesn't matter. In the long run, it doesn't matter. There are so many other things on planet Earth happening right now mm-hmm. that need our attention mm-hmm. more than if Jack Kirby got slighted back in the 60s. And this court case, if you look at the lawyer involved, it's the same guy that was working for the Seagulls and is working for the Schusters. Oh, is it really? And if you dig a little deeper, I bet you, and I can't say this for sure, so I don't want Brad to get sued, but I bet if you you dug a little deeper, you would see that this Toblerov guy has a production company lined up. Mm-hmm. To because he is going to benefit greatly if these cases go, uh, if the cases go towards his clients. Now here's the thing though, uh, the you know the the thing with the Schusters has kicked up again, and I had a chance to talk with a gentleman by the name of Jeff Trexler, who is a lawyer and pretty much a, an expert, I would say, on copyright law, and. The thing that he pointed out in this whole thing, and it could be applied to the Kirby thing as well, is that a lot of people petitioned the Supreme Court to hear their cases. Mm-hmm. Not many of them actually get heard, you know, um, um, uh, unless you want to, you know, talk about something that's going to be reported, you know, heavily on the major media outlets. It's not going to get heard. So you sitting there arguing about it, or you sitting there taking pot shots and an old man just because you think someone got screwed over. Yeah, just I, I, th- I think George is right. This says more about you than anything else. Mm-hmm. Stan, I, you know, I am not one of these people that worships at the feet of Stan Lee, but that does not mean that I do not have a large amount of respect for what he was able to do with an industry that, Carmine Infantino, I think, was the one that says that he used to tell people he did anything but draw comics because if you told people you drew comics in the 50s, you might as well have been telling them you were a child molester. So, <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a dying medium. Yeah, DC Silver Age helped kind of prop it back up, but without Stan Lee and his ability to promote himself and his product... We wouldn't have anything we have today. And if you're making money by reporting on that, and you're at the same time saying that, you know, Stan Lee's a bad person, you are the biggest hypocrite on the face of the planet. All right. That's a very good, well put. Mm -hmm. It needed needed to be said. I'm I'm sick of it, dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's keep with Bailey. We're going to give Bailey a topic. This one's not Spider-Man related, but it's it's Superman related. But it it goes into the uh, the copyright aspects of superheroes. So since I have Bailey on, the biggest Superman fan I know, and this this will tie in because it involves superheroes, and I wanted to hear his opinion about it. Talk a bit about this uh, statue for a memorial for this little boy and the Superman logo. Talking about that. A little okay. Bit. Back in uh, 2002, a five-year-old boy named Jeffrey Baldwin died due to the neglect of his grandparents. Uh, he was basically, if, if, I'm, if the research and the articles I've read are correct, he basically starved to death. 
and they, you know, the the family and and people got together and they erected a statue in his honor. And since he was a big Superman fan, they wanted to put the S on the statue. And at first, DC said no, because they own the copyright and trademark, which is two different things, by the way, uh, to that image. And fandom lost their shit. (laughs) True. Seriously, I saw things ranging from, oh, this is terrible, to DC is the Antichrist and needs to go straight back to hell. (laughs) <laughs> Good God. So recently DC has reversed its decision and is now allowing them to use the symbol on the statue. Now, at first DC was like, our, our main problem with this has nothing to do with the fact that we don't want a little boy who likes Superman to have a Superman statue. We just don't want our brand, which, you know, brings in billions of dollars a year. We don't want our brand associated with something like that which I think mm-hmm. is fair. I seem to be one of the few people on planet Earth right now that didn't have a problem that DC said that they couldn't use it. Just because this little boy was a Superman yeah. fan does not give them the right to automatically use it. You know? Here, here's the pro- Well, I'll, I'll let you continue, but I just briefly want to say that uh, the bad press alone from this, I would think that would make is probably what made them do it, which made them change their minds. Yeah, and and, and effectively in that case, DC was bullied into doing it. Exactly. And shame on the pre- people that did that. You know, again, you know, uh, as Brad said, I am a huge Superman fan. You know, I, I I love the character. I love what he represents. But I'm also a sane and rational human being that can look at something like this and go. You know, if it's just a little kid with, like, a little generic superhero outfit, that'll get the point across just as well as as having the S on the statue. Now, DC has had a history of making, I wouldn't say making poor decisions, but making decisions that are reported on and and, and which reflect on them poorly as a company. But again, Mm -hmm. I got to say this, they didn't have to do this. They shouldn't have had to do this. But because people on Facebook and Twitter and blogs and social media and everything else basically shamed them into doing it, you know, basically everyone said, hey, DC Comics, are you still beating your wife? <laughs> and it, it's very much a bully situation, and I agree. it pisses me off. Yeah. Because I, what happened to this boy was tragic, but... Mm-hmm. I have to side with DC. Do you want Superman associated with a kid starving to death? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right. Uh, thoughts, panel. What do you think? Well, I mean, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I kind of, um, I kind of just. Uh, I mean, I kind of agree that there needs uh, about the uh, sympathy. You know, you, our, your heart goes out to the to the kid and stuff. But I do see uh, Bailey's point, and. You almost kind of think because after this incident and considering other incidents that happened with DC, whether or not they really need a good, a better PR firm, because some of the stuff that's happening, because I mean, some of the stuff that some of the, some of the corporate decisions that these guys have made, you know, in recent, you know, in recent years have just been really, you know, what's, what's another example? Um, well, I can probably think in some ways about the, um, uh, let's see. Usually it has something to do with some of the, like with the start of the New 52, this whole Starfire uh, controversy involved there about how she had like, oh, she was basically some kind of a, 
was kind of portrayed as some kind of a you know like a basically a sex doll golf with a person with the brain of a goldfish, um, uh-huh. and that was in the Red Hood and you the mean, You mean like she was back in 1981? Yeah, when I know. I know. and Marv Wolfman created her. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, <laughs> I know. And then they got the other, th- and then of course there's other stuff in there about how you know whether or not they're you know the thing about the Gail Simone firing, which which is it turns uh. out. She actually resigned because she didn't like the editor she was working with, and then the editor quit, and then then she that's what she went back. But there is kind of a you know, there is some like sometimes they, they you know sometimes in terms of their relate you know in terms of how they put out these initial news you know their little news blurbs and news items and everything and how they handle some of their things. It's always been kind of you know they they don't quite they don't really have a very in my opinion they don't really have a good you know public relations. Uh, department right now. I mean, it just no. Yeah. You know. Jr. What do you think of it? Well, uh, part of the problem is just that uh, trademarks have to be vigorously defended. I mean, mm-hmm. they just—it's it, one of those things where if you let somebody do it, uh, if the floodgates open, then everybody wants to do it. I mean, of course, everybody feels for this kid, but then you know, but then again, you know that by doing that, it opens a crack for everybody with a cause to want to use it. And uh, but I agree though corporations are notoriously tone deaf, you know. I mean yeah. they, they 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 turn some, they get they get like requests like these they turn them over to a lawyer. A lawyer writes some sort of uh, letter full of legal ass bullshit, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's what pisses a lot of people off, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I mean because what what I read of the story. Um, you know, I didn't hear when I heard Bailey defending DC when he said something about we don't know if we want our brand associated with such a you know a tragic event. Well, anything I read with the case certainly didn't sound like they responded as humanly as as Bailey summarized the case. I mean, it was just, and that's what you know, and, and you know, there's a, a famous uh, car insurance case with Progressive Insurance where they just completely, you know, their social media was so bad uh, that they just uh, you know things just completely melted down for them. Uh, but that you know, that's, they've got yeah. I mean, I agree with Fake Mike. I mean, they've got to, they've got to have you know <laughs> they've got to have human beings start looking at these things and answering these things. I mean, I I I don't disagree with DC not wanting them to use it originally. Um, yeah. You know, like I said, just because something like that then opens the floodgates to other things. Uh, but you know, it's you know they, they've got to they've got to learn to handle handle things with a little softer glove than they typically do. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to another lawsuit-related story for fake, spectacular, lovely Mike. Oh, uh, <laughs> Times Square Spider-Man arrests result in demand for regulation of costume characters is an article that you wrote yes. on the front page. Tell me all about that. Well, to give a little um, kind of a context of what this is, um, in uh, New York City, um, there is an, you know, there are usually these uh, street performers, panhandlers, uh, basically, you know, um, act, sometimes actors – they um they occasionally they instead of um as part of they dress up in costume essentially dress up as uh, cartoon characters characters from children's programs and even comic books including Spider-Man um and there's been a couple of incidents involving um some of the, some of these performers um yeah, we've talked about him before about uh, one smacked a mother. Yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Philip Williams, apparent. And the thing about him, this case was that he was um, when the old the altercation started when um, I believe there was a woman by the name 
of uh, Victoria Victoria, Victoria yeah. Gory Yuga. I can't pronounce her last name, but yeah. she yeah, she's pretty good. Yeah, but she's um, but she's um, of taking you know, basically she take she was taking her kids out uh, to, I guess to Times Square, and they uh, found they they saw Mr. Williams, and so the thing about this these performances that they char that they will allow you to take pictures of them with your with with your with you and your kids for a nominal fee for five bucks. So after she took the picture of him with the with the kids, uh, Mr. Williams, Char he asked her, you know, for the five dollars. She didn't have any cash on hand. This got Mr. Williams upset and he started shouting obscenities at her and all kinds of stuff and so she left. Then an hour later, she comes back and then <laughs> Supposedly, she basically tracked this guy down. Apparently, she was able to recognize him because of, um, I guess, because she somehow could smell her children's smell on the guy and also his voice. What? Yeah, there's, there's, there's something in the court case that she said that she could she recognized this guy by the because she could smell her children's smell on him. And well, so that doesn't make any sense. I don't. I, yeah, I don't. I don't know how she managed to do that. But anyway, she found Wolverine the guy. Does it all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. So apparently she had superpowers, <laughs> right? So essentially, she found she found Mr. She found Mr. Williams, and then she t- found she got a um, there was a pile of uh, dirty snow, which she made into a snowball and threw it in his face. Right. And then, and she shouted, "What did you say to me? What did you say to me?" And after she did that, this is according to her. She went to the cops to tell them what happened, and then he smacked her on the side of the head and took off running. Now, Mr. Williams, however, he claimed, a.k.a. AKA this other Spider-Man, he claimed self-defense because he said that her husband was with her and grabbed him from behind. And when she threw the snowball at him, he was blinded, and so he thought he he was being mugged. And so he was wailing out, (laughs) flailing his arms, and he accidentally hit her. And that's when he uh, took off. So. Anyway, this went to uh, the, the, well. Anyway, the court it went to the court court, and the judge uh, found the defendant, Mr. Williams, not guilty. But however, he fined him two hundred fifty dollars for harassment because he used foul language in front of her children, and said that he, Mr. Williams, that he told Mr. Williams that Spider Man had to be a role model. Okay. Yeah. All right. And he says you should know better. You should, you know, you should know better. If you want to go back to Times Square, I hope you have learned your lesson from this proceeding. Be more courteous to the people you see. All right. Two days later, after this trial, there was a second incident involving another (laughs) Spider-Man. This time, um, he decided to see if he had some uh, stickum powders like Spidey and decided to buy groping a woman. (laughs) <laughs> Naturally, she was not thrilled with this, and so quote he grabbed a woman's breast and right. butt off yes, his right. arm yeah. around and on her on near Broadway. Yep. Oh uh, wow. Yeah. Natural. And so she called for the cops, and there was a hot. They, they start. Ch- they chased this guy on foot, and they got they got him. And this is the the man. The suspect in question. What the alleged the groper was a Mosa Mosa Rabui. There's a, there's a <laughs> slight yeah you know there's a and there's a slight yeah. update to this his lawyer uh, Mr. Rabui's lawyer is now claiming that um, his client was essentially accused of um, I believe if I can find the, the thing I'm um, saying that the 
Yeah, yeah, he's essentially saying that his client is innocent because there's surveillance footage showing this happening, which shows that he didn't do it, and that and that the alleged woman was just basically, um, she's just accusing this guy because he had a foreign accent, essentially. <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. Anyway. Well, all this leads to possible legislation, huh? Actually, yes. And uh, the, yes. the update of this thing is that uh, there was a, the president of the Times Square Alliance, a Mr. Uh, Tim Tompkins. He, has said, he he's, he's had enough of this, and so he says, in the, quote, In the last ten days alone, we see two Statues of Liberty arrested, a Spider-Man convicted of harassing a tourist, and now a third character arresting for groping a woman in Times Square. The situation is out of control, and a licensing and regulatory scheme must be put in place. Well, this is like a civil war where you register the heroes in Times Square. Exactly. To, exactly. to put on and the, uh, the costumes. And by the way, there, here's a little bit of an update that I found up a couple of, the, you know, a couple of days ago. They've, there's actually been a bill introduced into the city um, into, by, by the city councilman uh, named Andy Kane, which is, to, which is to propose exactly this, that they will regul- that to regulate these Times Square characters and call for background checks for people in costume. He's actually introduced this to the um, city assembly. So, um, and he's, Here, here's, a, here's the thing. Uh, do you think uh, Marvel will allow these people to wear costumes? Well, that's another question. Because there I is, mean, they aren't, they aren't Marvel employees, I imagine. No, that's the other thing, because there's a, there's, and there's a question here about possible copyright issues. Exactly. Because... Because I mean, um, there was essentially um, there's a they actually with the recent war article that I have on here. It says that there's a quote from um, I believe from the because um, there's also there's other characters involved here like people dressed as Elmo or Mickey or Cookie Monster, and um, the one of those there's David Mark. There's a quote here from the uh, from a different article that I'm reading here about from a David Dave Marcheri who is the senior director of the um, of uh, Brand management and marketing at San Rio, which is the company that owns Hello Kitty, and he is saying that um, he says it's a little quote it's a little distressing, and it's very frustrating for us that there have been people who are masquerading in costume that could be misrepresented as Hello Kitty, or and this <laughs> is also applied to other um, characters. But however, the uh, the problem with this is there's also a free speech issue involved because. There was an earlier ruling back in, um, I think it was in Hollywood, I think it might have been in uh, Los Angeles. Um, there was a court case out there a couple of years ago in which they were trying to uh, cite these guys for, you know, people who dress up in costume, these performers um, for lording issues. However, the judge ruled that no, that, con- you know, basically people, that, this is considered free speech. So, so well, yeah, our- but when these people are charging 20 bucks a picture. Well, five dollars actually, or but however get, much. But, yeah. yeah, but I mean, yeah, but they actually do quite. Um, they they have, I forgot how much they actually rake in. I mean, I saw there was something like about one guy in particular was rake got in about five hundred bucks in a single day doing this. What's well, real good? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, there's there's money to it. Oh yeah, but so uh, so basically yes. Yeah, so this is one of those. Truth is definitely stranger than fiction deal, since this yeah. is involving... Let's, yeah. Let's open it up to the panel. What do you guys think of this? Should we register people to wear Spider-Man costumes in Times Square? Yes. Why? One, if you earn any money... Now, I, I know there were some people out in California, they did a documentary on them, mm-hmm. uh, including this one guy that 
dresses up as Superman that kind of frightened me on a number of different <laughs> levels. But but basically, out there, it, they made it sound like you can ask for tips, but you don't have to have them. So I'm mm-hmm. kind of wondering how they're getting away with this in New York City. Now, you ask, should they be regulated? I say yes, but not so much in that they should register and, you know, go to background checks, blah, blah, blah. I just think that if if Marvel wants to shut this down, they can shut it down. If DC wants to shut down people dressing up as their characters and charging money for it, they seem to be, that's not a free speech issue. That's copyright and trademark infringement. Well, you are yes. representing a company you do not work for. Mm-hmm. And well, whether... Well, I was going to say the thing about this too is that the, the guy that the um, the guy who's proposing this regulation thing is as he's saying that he's saying that, quote our feeling is that there are honest folks out there trying to make a living, but there's also folks out there trying to make advantage of people, and, and this is a business, and he considers this a business activity that has to be regulated like any other business activity. So, but but yeah, this is I would I would think that there would be kind of you know. I'm surprised that there hasn't been more trying more of these uh, companies that kind of trademark these characters trying to clamp down on this. Yeah. Hey Bailey. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> what makes me think about this is is like if they crack down on this, and, and number one, I, I think that these that these whoever is putting on a suit and posing for pictures with kids in Times Square or kids out in L.A. absolutely should go through some sort of background check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Number one, but number two, if they crack down on this, they also have to crack down on anyone across the country or elsewhere who is like, "Hey, have Spider-Man come out to your birthday party." Um, you know what I mean? Yeah. And it comes to a point where there's cracking down on at the same time. You also have to look at it and say, okay, but is having is cracking down on people who are promoting our character to kids, you know, on the side. And there, I mean, come on, if you're if you make a living, you know, renting yourself out as Spider Man for a birthday party, you're probably not, you know, you're, you're not swimming in loot. You're not well, living like a rap star. Well, some of know, these people yeah. they they've actually talked to some of these street performers, I guess, on some news um, on some TV TV news programs that are actually in favor of some kind of a regulation. That they're all kind of for it because they kind of feel like they're because they kind of feel like these other guys who are doing this, you know, like you know, groping and all this other stuff, and are you know they're giving you know giving themselves giving them, all of them a bad name. So, well, hell, Disney's uh, had that at their own theme parks. I remember Tigger got in trouble for groping somebody. <laughs> well, <laughs> they all, yeah, but that happened a couple of years ago. And, yeah, and that and that's horrible. But you know what? Disney fired that guy, and he wasn't able to do it again. They did. Mm-hmm. They did. Yeah, Jr. We haven't heard from you. Registering. What do you think? Uh, well, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I think it, oh, doing that uh, kind of creates a slippery slope. I mean, I, uh, I see the effects of regulation all the time, and regulation just it almost never leads to ultimate good. It always winds up being misused, abused, or, or used to control people and things. And I just That's thoroughly true. dislike it. And it's true. The thing yeah. is. Uh, so I don't know if people should register. Uh, but the thing is, if you're in New... You know, I, I don't know why people think that they can get something for nothing, for example. I mean, yeah. if there's this lunatic standing there, you know, and you say, hey, you know, and he's standing there, and you say, hey, can I take your picture? You know, I mean, the guy's not... I mean, why do you think he's standing there? 
He's staying there trying to make a buck, and that's how he's making a buck. And if you think you can just take your picture and then not, you know, and not be expected to give this guy something, uh, then yeah. then you're yeah. delusional. Um, what the, actually, it's interesting because there's uh, been a, there was an article recently where you know Broadway, some of the the box, the theaters, or somebody has been saying that one of the reason attendance is down at some of these shows is because people are being harassed by these characters in Times yeah. Square. Now. Which I say is I call bullshit on that because <laughs> I was in New York last year. You know, I was at New York and I, you know, walk by these lunatics every day. <laughs> they never, they, I mean, you know, the cookie monster from Spanish Harlem I saw, you know, and <laughs> you know, that, that's you remember that, you know, Pichu, Pichu, you know, uh, but, you know, <laughs> you know, Spider-Man, Iron Man, Batman, Statue of Liberty, walk by these lunatics every day. They didn't bother me one bit. Of course, I didn't have a kid and I didn't ask for anything, but they didn't bother me. They didn't harass me. The people who bothered me were these morons coming in and saying, hey, you want to see a comedy show? Hey, you want to see comedy? Hey, you want to see comedians? I want those guys shot. You know, <laughs> those are the those are the you know, I mean, when I was in New York in 91 or 92, pre Giuliani and pre Disney buying up Times Square. I mean, you know, there were guys approaching you all the time trying to sell you drugs. Hey, you want some drugs? Hey, you want some drugs all the time. I mean, it was wow. times 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 Square was wow. a pit. Times Square was an absolute pit. There were porn shops and, you know, things everywhere. And you were being constantly solicited to buy drugs. But I'd almost rather be solicited to buy drugs than solicited to see bad comedy. But uh, <laughs> but I, I just <laughs> that's a great line. <laughs> but I I just have a problem with I just I just I just have a problem. I really have a problem with it. But you see, and it's not getting at the problem. The real problem is we have such a limp-wristed society that won't punish people when they do wrong. Mm-hmm. You know. We yeah. always try to find ancillary ways of getting around, of of of, of taking care of people, you know. It's like you know. So let, yeah, let's be let there be a law that forbids them from you know wearing orange on Monday because a religious group you know gets infuriated at the sight of orange on a Monday or something like that. Yeah, or, or you know, instead of somebody, if somebody gropes a woman, crack him upside the head. You know, I mean, that's how you take yeah. care. That's how you take care of crime is you take care of the criminals one on one and and not none of this regulation stuff. So, you know, Paul Harvey, good day. <laughs> <laughs> We've got uh, two movie bits of news and two eBay au- uh, auctions that I want to talk about. You want to do movies or eBay? What do you want to do, gang? Let's do movies mm-hmm. first. Okay, uh, George, you've got this one, uh, Doctor Who gal, wants to play Spider-Girl. Oh, I, I didn't realize that was mine. Okay, don't. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I mean, it's like, I, I, didn't, I didn't, when you said movies, or I thought it was like you were talking about like a movie auction, because you said movie or auction, and I was like, but then I guess they're both mine, aren't they? You, uh, you've, here, let's just stick one at a time. Karen Gillan. Yes, okay, Karen Gillan. Wants to play Spider-Girl. First of all, does anyone on the podcast not know who Karen Gillan is? I didn't for a time until she was at the St. Louis Comic Con. She's with Doctor Who, I understand. Yes, she yes. Is. She was on Doctor Who. She played Amy Pond. Um, and I loved her on Doctor Who. She Also, uh, for Marvel fans who may not know what the hell Doctor Who is, uh, Karen Gillan, or are familiar with it but don't care, um, Karen Gillan is playing Nebula in the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Uh, she's the gal that you'll see like at the press conferences who had a shaved head because she shaved her head for the role. Um, why I don't know because there are times when Nebula hasn't been bald in the comic books. In fact, she spent more time not bald than bald. 
So I'm like, if I was her, I'd be like, or I could play the character when she had hair. You know? <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, no, a British magazine, uh, S- SFX, which I assume means special effects. I was talking yeah. to her about Spider-Man, and during that conversation, they asked her if she would want to play a Spider-Girl or a Spider-Woman. And then she was like, no, no, yeah, yeah, I would love to play Spider, Spider-Girl. Now... I don't think she really knows who Spider-Girl is. She's a very attractive young girl with a life. The last thing she does is it's read Tom go, for, go yeah. further into <laughs> fandom than, you know, than, than the people that just gave her money to play a part. That's why anytime one of these actors steps up and says, oh, I'm a big fan of the character and then is holding up an Ultimate comic, I'm like, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, sure you are. Anyway, but no, I mean, I, I, this is not to denigrate her. I mean, these people are busy with a billion other things. Yeah. They just are, uh, and uh, you know, and of course, uh, don't take my comment to mean that, like you know, her knowing who that is would be a good thing. She just she probably didn't have the you know the damn time. I'm sure if she sat down and read an entire stack of Tom DeFalco Spider Girl comics, she I would fall in love I, with the character, but she didn't have the time. I don't I don't know her as an actress. Would she make a good Mayday Parker? She would be a fantastic Mayday Parker. I mean, we will yeah. never see Mayday Parker in a film unless Sony decides to do it because Marvel can't say anything. Marvel hates the Spider Baby. We all well, know that. At, Spider. The thing is, on the comment section, there was a the, the, when I got the responses for this um, for this article, which um, uh-huh. um, there's a guy who was named by the, a commentator by the ghost of Ben Riley who suggests, why not Mary Jane? Oh no, she and, could be Mary Jane for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, because if you oh, ever in a heartbeat, yeah. and that's the thing. If, if you've seen if you've ever seen episodes of Doctor Who with her in it, the character of Amy Bond Pond, excuse me, is um, is very much. It's just it's basically the Scottish version of Mary Jane. I mean, that's, is she is she Emma Stone level? Um, yeah, I would she, say so. She could, yeah, she's yeah. just got the person. She's got the personality down pat. She has the personality and the talent. I don't know that she'd have the same level of chemistry because Emma Stone. Yeah, Emma Stone is a great actress, but Emma Stone also had the the added you know extra benefit of the fact that she was sleeping with Andrew Garfield. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and a lot of <laughs> that comes through you know between two people. Yeah. You know, but, I mean, there's but, a, I've, what, but from what I've seen of her of of, of her performance, I mean, because I mean in that in Doctor Who and stuff, she was extremely well 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 good and she, she well and she had lots of range and everything else, and so she you know definitely I mean. I mean, she's a favorite, considered a favorite companion of the Doctor for a, re- for a reason, and it was a large part it had to do with her performance. No, she uh, was fantastic. It was a great role. Uh, what do you guys think of with the upcoming Gotham show? It, it has very little of Spider-Man or Batman, Batman in yeah. it. I would hope it would uh, have very little of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer my Spider-Man's Batman. Spider-Man's in that show. I'm going to be fucking confused. <laughs> I prefer my Batman to be both of you, Besson. By the way, Gotham looks great. By yeah, way. anyway. Actually, I've heard good things about it. Um, yeah. How do we make a Spider-Man TV show? And I think Spider-Girl would be would be one way to do it with an older Peter Parker. See, the, what do you, the thing is, remember that question we got? I got earlier about what you would think would do with Spider-Man. I think having a, like another live-action Spider-Man would actually be it. And I think you you sort of have the technology now a little bit to pull it off a little. No, so, you don't. No, I mean, you can you can do that on well, Gotham. No, you really. I mean, not not to the level that you would need to. It's not going to be anywhere near cinematic level. Yeah, well, I mean, Batman's but, a lot easier to do because people aren't firing lightning at one another. That's true. Yeah, no, but I mean, if you, but look, if you if you see shows like um, maybe like for I mean, um, I don't know how you can compare it to the effects of Smallville, kind of you know. Yeah. So you can you can sort of pull it off. I, mean, I just I just don't think a, a prequel Spider-Man show works without powers. 
Oh, no, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. You have to, I mean, it, it would have to be, they, they would obviously set up, if it was going to be a Spider-Man television show, it would obviously, they try to cast this thing as some kind of a high school drama type. Oh, yeah, thing. I mean, Sandman's <laughs> going to be 19 years old. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and to right. be fair, I, I think yeah. Spider-Man, and, and it's not that any of the films haven't told good Spider-Man stories, because I think uh, several of them have, but Spider-Man is such an episodic and serial character to begin with, when you really mm-hmm. you know, look at look at it, his history. Yeah, it was very episodic in the beginning, but after a while, it you know, it was running yeah. on the same kind of storytelling engine that, you know, Josh Whedon made famous back with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and such. So a Spider-Man television series, I mean, look at what DC's doing right now. And, and let's think of how historic this is in the grand scheme of things. When I was like 15 years old, there was a Flash TV series that was coming yeah. on, and I lost my damn mind because <laughs> it was the one comic book show outside of like the syndicated stuff that was coming on. This season, we have Arrow, we have Flash, we have Constantine, we have iZombie, we have uh, Gotham. It's five television series on me. Major- Wait a minute. Oh, I thought you were going to... Well, don't forget the Netflix shows. The, yeah, the that's Marvel, more the Marvel but, stuff, yeah. But, that's, but yeah. That's, a different, that's a different animal, though. Okay. Because while that's... You're talking a, about broadcast networks. Uh, on broadcast network. But to add that yeah. in, yes, on Netflix, you're going to have four different uh, Marvel series, plus you have an Agent uh, Carter series. Plus you, have the, yeah. plus, you have the return of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is unprecedented, and I think what DC is doing right now is kind of brilliant. And it's like the television division is giving the middle finger to their film division. It's just like, <laughs> oh, you're having trouble getting this all together? We're having effing Firestorm come on to the Flash TV series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. that is that is DC's, like, trump card to <laughs> Rocket Raccoon. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, having yeah. a Spider-Man series, and I know that in the grand scheme of things and in Hollywood think, this is a major million-dollar character. You know, he need, you know, we need to do a $250 million budgeted film and make a billion dollars out of it. I think they'd make more money putting them on TV having a television series. Right. Wouldn't, I really wouldn't do. There, wouldn't there be kind of issues, though, I, the one snag I would see with this, wouldn't there be kind of issues involving with uh, Sony, put, because then, since um, they're the ones who actually own sort of the film rights to it, or do you think, or can they... Well, no, Marvel... Well, maybe it's... What I understand, Marvel got back the television rights. Okay, because I know they, because I know Sony still holds the film rights thing, and I know that because Disney has the, was, um, has the uh, yeah, animation was, rights, too, so... There was talk of having Spider-Man on Agents of Shield. Ooh, <laughs> excuse me. Bless you. Bless you. Couldn't hit mute quick enough. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Spec Mike, you also have another movie uh, thing that we're going to talk about. How uh, Robert Orkey, who um, was he a producer or a writer? He was the co-writer of the um, okay. of the uh, so-called wonderful. Amazing Spider-Man too. I like. I wouldn't, <laughs> like I wouldn't call it writing, Jack. Well, anyway, actually, he's George. The, I have some good news. No, I. Robert I know what Orky say. is yeah, not right. going to be involved in for in Spider in writing Spider-Man three. The, yeah, the second writer or whoever, how many writers that's, have it made? That's the Spider-Man two. That's the best news this franchise could have gotten. Yes, so apparently that, he's devoting all of his energies toward directing. 
the next Star Trek film. To ruining, to further ruining Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, Orky puts uh, some doubt uh, about the future of Amazing Spider-Man right. Three, The Sinister Six, and Venom. And he also has a quote. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes, okay, quote. Quote. It says he says, "quote I don't know what their what uh, Sony's plans are for that for the Spider-Man franchise. I don't ever want to say never, but we have to figure out what their scheduling is in terms of when they want each movie." I've read probably as much as anyone else. There's a love for the Sinister Six, the idea of Venom. There's an idea of Spider-Man's going to be in one of these characters. That's part of our business. He's such a popular character. Spider-Man's got not going to go away anytime soon when it all happens and how and all that has yet to be determined. So it really does sound like that I'm almost wanted to speculate that they maybe they just kind of Sony just kind of figured because of the, you know, kind of lackluster results that they got from Spider-Man 2 that they decided, you know, oh, not, not Spider-Man 2, Amazing Spider-Man 2, they decided, well, you're gonna, we're just going to cut him out of the loop. Also, don't forget, too, that um, uh, Orsai and um, what the other co-writer that was with him. Kurtzman. Uh, Ger- yeah, thank you, Kurtzman. They kind of went out, had a parting of ways, essentially. So, um, so who knows? Apparently, so I guess they're probably going to have to come up with a good maybe... I don't know if they're going to use the old script that they guess that they wrote for the third film, or they're just going to do an entirely new script for it, which would probably be the better option. What, what year were they originally wanting to release three? They, and were, they pushed it back more. Yeah, they originally uh, were going to release it in 2016, but then they decided okay. to push it back to 2017. Isn't yeah, this exactly so. what they did back when ASN, when Spider-Man Two came out and yep. they had some issues and yep. it got pushed to two, three years instead of two years? Right, yep. If Spider-Man 3 comes out in 2017, the next film after that, which is 2020 or whatever, probably, presumably, is going to be a reboot. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I'm dead, I'm dead serious. It'll, I know you are. I know uh, you are. are it's well, not going to come back for it. Will, will we see a Venom and a Sinister Six movie oh, they, at this point? Uh, no. I don't know. Uh, they're, they're, they're still thinking about I guess they want to... I mean, well, this whole thing kind of maybe puts that... Um, they're still thinking. They're still trying to shoot that for that in 2016. Have a Venom film or a Sinister Six film. So I mean, rumors so far. So if if, if Spider Man, if ASM two had made a billion dollars like they were hoping, uh, mm-hmm. instead of the 700 million that it barely made, yeah, um, then then total. yeah, I, I would I would say for sure. Yeah, total. I would say for sure. Right. But, but that's not what happened. What happened was is they got enough. They needed it. They didn't need enough money to make another movie. They needed enough to make another movie and and save a little. Oh and yeah, put a, and put a little back. They didn't get that. Right. All this. All this kind of speaks of the of, of Sony just kind of re, almost like creative readjustment, essentially of what of how of how they're gonna like. Well, how are we gonna you know? Because obviously they want they don't want to give up you know the Spider Man give the film rights back to Marvel essentially. Although I think do they do I do they think they have a better relationship with Marvel than say what uh, Fox does. Let's, but um, yeah. let me give the uh, the numbers again for the from Box Soft of Smojo, mm-hmm. uh, Amazing Spider Man Two as of July sixth has taken in $200 million in the United States, and foreign box office $504 million yep. for a grand total combined of $704 million. It's hard to believe in a world that we live in a world <laughs> that we live in that $704 million worldwide box office well, we, is a disappointment. We covered this last show, Brad. I, I, I know, but it's just hard to believe. Well, the, 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 you have, they, you have they, to look they, at what it is that they wanted to do 
Well, they what they wanted three hundred million more dollars they, because there. because mm-hmm. three hundred million more dollars would have let them make yeah. two movies. Now, to put it in comparison to the other big Marvel movie this this uh, year, Captain America two, uh, it took in two hundred fifty eight million dollars, fifty eight million more at the United States, and foreign was four hundred fifty four million dollars for a grand total of seven hundred twelve million dollars. Marvel Studios oh, and Disney are not as cash-strapped as Sony is. People have to remember, yeah. Sony doesn't have any money. Mm-hmm. They are the most cash-poor studio in Hollywood. Now, you can look at X-Men, the new X-Men movie, which was fantastic, by the way. And mm-hmm. You can look at the new X-Men movie, which made almost uh, – I think it made a little bit more than Spider-Man. It, it, it was like Here, 700 I'll, I'll, I'll million. But Fox, number one, is not as cash-strapped as Marvel. Uh, yeah, it, it made a $726 million. Yeah, they they are not as cash-strapped. Yeah. yeah, they are not as cash-strapped as Sony is. Number two, they didn't need to make two goddamn more movies mm-hmm. with that money. They needed that. They needed this movie to make enough to do the next movie, and that was all. Jr., are you upset that uh, Mr. Orky is going away from uh, Spider-Man and going to Star Trek? <laughs> uh, I mean, I knew he was always part of Star Trek. He's always been yeah. part of that. Um, and uh, that, that's another enti- topic entirely. Um, yeah. But um, I, I I don't care. I mean, I think that this I think delaying this movie is a good thing. I think it means that they're rethinking their strategy um, because I really don't see, particularly I really don't see a market for a Sinister Six movie or a Venom movie. I really don't. I could be wrong because I I would never have thought that Iron Man would have been such a colossal hit, but. You know that was some that was where you had the perfect marriage of a of an actor who was just who just nailed a role and uh, you know and a relatively good story too. But a lot of it a lot of it was the actor. I just don't see there's a market for all those other movies, and maybe this is going to cause Sony to rethink that. Um, so any any scenario where it goes back to Marvel, only if Marvel buys Sony. Which is not entire, or the movie division or something. If Sony decides to unload the movie division, I wouldn't be surprised if Disney is waiting in the waiting to do that. To be honest, <laughs> well, to take to buy it, what would they get? They would get James Bond and they'd get Spider Man, wouldn't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's about, yeah, that's but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. but I mean that's uh, that's the only way I see Spider Man going back to uh, to Marvel. But and honest, that's not entirely an outlandish idea, though. No, honestly, you could look at Disney buying Sony. Or at least Sony's entertainment, not Sony the company, but Sony's entertainment division, which is right. losing mm-hmm. the money. And you, you could, if Disney bought Sony, they could recoup some of that cost by selling James Bond. Because I guarantee, goddamn to you, just about every other damn studio would buy James Bond. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I don't see where Di- I mean Disney. Sure, they were like, well, we got James Bond. But at the same time, they're like, we're Disney. Mm-hmm. Years ago, if you so- told me that Disney would buy Star Wars, I wouldn't have believed it either. Oh no, I don't uh, think anyone would. Yeah. I no, yeah. no, I I wouldn't have I wouldn't have ever doubted it. I, I mean, honest. Disney buys everything I like: Muppets, Spider-Man, Star Wars. I tell you, every yep. damn thing. All right, uh, before we wrap up this one, I've got two funny eBay auctions that I want to talk about, <laughs> Mr. Bailey. This one I discovered. Uh, we've heard of John Romita Sr., John Romita Jr., and now Vinny Romita. Tell me who Vinny Romita is. Uh, if I'm reading this the, the, the article uh, right, it's it's John Romita Jr.'s son. Yes. Uh, who apparently, I don't know if he did it recently or if it's, oh, it's so cute, he did a Spider-Man picture 
And yes. then we're going to have John Romita and John Romita Jr. and Stan Lee sign in. And, oh, by the way, you can have this for the low, low bargain price <laughs> of $18,000. But don't worry, shipping's only twelve. Oh, yeah, yeah. only twelve. Well, that's because, so that's because yeah. Stan Lee and John Romita signed their name to it. That's probably what boosted the value, so apparently. But, but yeah. <laughs> Not I'm just one at John thing. Romita. We've got both of them. Yeah, we got, yeah, we got, we got oh, we got the junior on there too. Okay, we, yeah. We've got three. We've got three. Yeah. We got three Ramitas. That's right. Vinny, John Senior, and John Junior. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's one of a kind, but you know that doesn't mean it's worth eighteen k. You know, if something's if, if something's eighteen thousand dollars, I want it to have airbags and anti-lock brakes. Yes, seriously. I mean, what rich bastard would buy this? Well, they've had 27 offers. <laughs> 27 watchers, excuse me. 27 people, oh, 15 offers, excuse me. 15 okay. offers on this. Does it actually tell me how much those they, offers were? No, uh, it doesn't. They were all declined. <laughs> It's probably the same. It's probably it's probably being offered by the same guys who are trying to buy that GameStop issue, Brad. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean to be to be fair, yeah. maybe they're doing this for like a college fund. I mean, and 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 that's fine. But what's the fair price for this item? Hundred bucks. <laughs> I well, you know what? Having Stanley's signature on something would mean the world to me personally. I don't want to pay money for that unless I'm paying to stand in line and get the autograph. And even then, I'd have issues paying for an autograph. You know? now, wait a minute. How old is, uh, how old is uh, John Romita Jr.'s son, Vinny? Let's see. Does it say in the description? No, it said that this was drawn uh, at, was at Wizard World Philadelphia Convention in 2006 with his grandfather and was drawing sketches next to John Romita Sr. Okay. So... I'm guessing he was young. Yeah, oh, yeah. Looks like, looks on, like. on the description, they don't even have a picture of Vinny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor kid. Uh, what? What, uh, what? What's a fair price for this, Jr.? <laughs> <laughs> You're putting it on eBay, Jr. You own Vinny Ramita's Spider-Man picture. How much are you setting the uh, opening bid for? 18k, right? <laughs> Probably no more than a package of Charmin to wipe my ass with. <laughs> I haven't been following this story, and I really don't give a shit about it. It sounds stupid. <laughs> Literally, 18, wiping a shit with the, never mind. JR, what's your take? I don't care. I don't care. I don't know, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> George, what do you think of Vinny? Um, I don't know. I, I think at, at the very most, and this is generous, at the very most, and this is after vigorous betting. Uh, two, okay. two grand tops. Two grand. You have two, you have two generations of of noteworthy Romitas. Three and generations, Stan George. Three. Generations. I said two generations of noteworthy Romitas. The, the, oh, okay. Romita is not going to be an artist. Doesn't want to be an artist. So presumably he's not going to be in the, uh, famous in the spotlight. Like his, well, you like don't know that. Man. I mean, how old is this? I mean, he's maybe got a couple of years, Vinny. Now, if this kid goes on to draw Spider Man, yeah, then this is worth some money. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. but I, you still have Stanley and two generations of Romita on. Well, if you're a Romita guy, and there are Romita guys, there's like a site that's all about buying Romita art. I'm, yep. I'm one of them. Uh, yeah, RomitaMate.com. I mean, I, my God, if you could tell me I got I could have an original Romita on my wall, yeah, I would do that. I'm not going to do it for you know fifteen thousand. No, no doubt. <laughs> but but at the same time, I mean, people are just uh, 
it's amazing to me because people think that someone's going to jump on that in this economy. If you had done this in 1992, I would have said, yeah, somebody will buy that. This would have been on QVC in 1992. <laughs> but today, when, pe- when, when, when a full thing of gas is 60 damn dollars, no. Oh, hell no. no. Hey, do you guys remember those QVC comic shows in the early 90s? Oh, yeah. you guys remember? Yep. Oh, I used to watch that. Oh, I'm like, they're selling comic books on QVC. How cool is this? For way too much goddamn money. Who, who, I think Stan Lee was on a few of them, and what else? Who else? Liefeld, the image guys were, I remember. Uh, I bet you, I wonder if those are on YouTube. Probably. Anyway. Uh, final, final item for this show, the final funny eBay auction. We're going with Ditko. Every show has Ditko now. Yes, yeah, turning, turning to our monthly Ditko news section. Our Ditko news. From the Ditko news desk. <laughs> Uh, George, you've got this one, I, I, so you could be sarcastic with my Ditko news. Yes, in the you know several thousand dollar <laughs> market, <laughs> comes an auction for fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah, uh, that somebody put up for a letter from Steve Ditko, uh, as our good pal Hornacek uh, noted or noted on the uh, comments for this uh, for this article. Um, yeah. it, you can actually have a letter from Steve Ditko and staying with what. Appears to be Ditko's home coffee. Yep. <laughs> there is a brown stain throughout the letter that looks like somebody spilled water on it or coffee. We'll presume it's coffee because coffee's funnier. Yeah. yeah. Um, it comes – apparently the seller is way, way happy that right. it was authenticated by something called PSA slash DNA, which means F all to me. <laughs> um, you know. What the hell is PSA DNA? Yeah. I, Public I, service announcement? I, I, PSA means porn star affection for all I know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what, what PSA is. Oh, uh, <laughs> oh man! Porn star. Oh god! Well, All right, go ahead. But the guy, the guy listed, the guy listed it on uh, on eBay for fifteen grand. Shockingly, no one jumped. No. He listed it again for fifteen grand. Nope. Shockingly, no one jumped. Um, he listed it again. This time, he didn't put in an amount, and I and. He writes in his comments uh, that this is a no reserve auction, and if he do, if it doesn't meet what he feels it's worth, then he will end the auction. Uh, then he will end the auction early. Right now, the current bid after I, I looked at it in it before the show, and it was at two bids, and the top bid was eleven dollars. Uh, since then, during just in just in the recording of this show, a third bid has come in. Uh, breaking news: a third bid is in, and the and the the going rate now is eleven fifty. <laughs> so just FYI. Um, so bas- basically, this letter was uh, published in a 1969 publication. It's kind of like what Wizard was in the 90s and the 80s. Yeah. And and you want me to read? No, the, I, what, I I thought you were going to let me read it. Oh, go ahead. You're horn in on all my action, Brad. But what, what did Steve Ditko say to this? Guy? All right. So basically, this is a guy. Probably you know he's just just you know a fan. He's starting up a fanzine. Fanzines were how you got news back then. Back in the no internet, no yeah before the internet, before stands. Well, I guess they had stand soapbox around this time, but it was, I mean that's all hype. That's not you know technically you know what behind the scenes stuff. So this guy wrote a fanzine or, or put together a fanzine called uh, Fanzation with a Z, F A N Z Ation, Fanzation. So there you go. Anyway, uh, and he write, he wrote a letter to Ditko just trying to get input on the fanzine and you know what could Ditko tell him. Ditko's response tells me that Ditko would be a huge fan of Crawl Space. 
Because, well, I'll just go ahead and read it. I'll read it, uh, and I'm going to use my Steve Ditko voice. Are you Are you ready for this? Oh, you okay. have one. I have a Steve Ditko voice if you're ready. Get ready for monotone. If you're ready for Steve Ditko. Uh, here it goes. Here it comes. And now, the guy he's writing to, by the way, the guy who wrote the letter is also named Steve. So it's a tale of two Steves. All right, here's here now on Crawl Space Masterpiece Theater, Steve Ditko's reply. Dear Steve, the fans' Asian title is good. It's kind of a variation of imagination and fans. Fans' imagination. He put it together in all, you know, like a, like a hyphenated word. Anyway. <laughs> For your beginning issues, they're okay, but they could use some variety of articles. On some pages, I just gave up because of the printing. I do not think pro art decides the success or failure of any fanzine. If any fanzine sells because of pro art, those who put it out have failed. They have failed to have anything worthwhile of their own in the fanzine. <laughs> this, by the way, is consistent with uh, Ditko's political views. Yes. Don't worry about writing any critical articles on me or anyone else. If you have a certain point of view and reasons that you think are valid, then whether it's pro or anti, you can only and should only express those views you honestly hold. The proposition is, quote, to judge and be prepared to be judged, unquote. No one escapes it. To remain silent is worse. It's the unjust that benefit most by fearful silence and the innocent victims that are most harmed. They have no defense. Oh, where's my checkbook? Only the, only the corrupt fear of justice or honest criticism. Okay, oh, I just read that. Only the corrupt fear justice or honest criticism. If, I think you answered your own question, why artists do things the way they do. What they do is all right until it is printed. Steve Ditko. Now, I, I didn't really oh. use a Steve Ditko voice here because I don't remember hearing Ditko ever talk. Okay, uh, we, we've not rehearsed this. You pretend you're Ditko. I'm going to interview you for the first time. Are you ready? Okay. Steve, why don't you do interviews? Uh, because, really, the art stands on itself. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we're talking about things that happened decades ago, and I have my own things that I'm doing now, so hey, go F yourself. Steve, why'd you leave Spider-Man? Uh, I, I don't really, I, honestly, I can't remember. I'm 97,000. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. Okay. But uh, that last paragraph, I mean, again, this is why I think Ditko, yeah. if he was out, you know, if he listened to the Crawl Space... You know, and, and I'm sure Brad goes at night and dreams that Ditko does. I like do. Ditko sits at home and he's like, I can't wait for iTunes to update. <laughs> start to try to find Crawl Space again and see if they have a new hey, look, Ditko left me an iTunes review. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, this is what he's saying. He's like, dude, if this is your opinion, voice it and then stand the F by it. Yeah. You know, don't just sit there. If, you, if something if something is out there that you don't agree with and you want to talk about it, then talk about it. Otherwise, you know, you can't bitch because all you are is some sort of victim. <laughs> and I'm like, you know I what? Want, I, I want everybody who, who listens to this podcast or reads our site and says, oh, you guys just put your haters. You don't like anything. I want you to just hear Steve Ditko's words. <laughs> We're okay. doing a duty. Yeah. To, to have valid criticism with examples, etc. Uh, apparently, according to Dick, though, what we do is, an, is an, a, you know, an, a moral imperative. <laughs> <laughs> so what we do is great justice. Now, now, my question, we talked about what is this worth to you for the Vinny oh, For F's sake, it's not worth 15000 $15,000. $15, well, what's, what, what's a fair price to George? You, you would bid on this for how much? If I saw this and I could, I could very, and, and I had the letter of authentication that's signed by several people at the porn star, porn stars anonymous, uh, 
you know, or whoever it was graded this, I would yeah. I would look at the guy and I would say if I had it in my wallet, uh, two hundred bucks. Two hundred bucks. All right, Bailey, how much would you drop for this? Coffee stained Ditko letter. <laughs> Nothing. I wouldn't pay for it at all. I mean, it's just no. not something. It's just not. It's an interesting novelty, but just because he wrote you a letter, I mean, he wrote a lot of people letters back in yeah. this in this uh, period. He was he was very um, active in the fan communities. Uh, he really didn't like it if you you used his artwork without asking him, though. I'll, I'll say that, but because uh, right. uh, I've I've seen a couple examples of that, but who, who cares? Each each episode, Bailey gets a little more like Jr. I know, I'm noticing the shift. Uh, Spectacular Mike, how much would you pay for a stained, coffee-stained Ditko letter? Ah, uh, well, <laughs> it's got nothing. It's, it's free for shipping, so that's a bargain right there. <laughs> <laughs> um, honestly, I I don't know if I no. mean... I mean 50 bucks? I mean, nah, I don't know. I mean, if they, maybe if it had some artwork to go with it. Maybe, but there's no. All it is is just his printed words, and I mean, you're paying for the signature essentially. But there's no. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just the letter essentially. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's. I mean, granted, I mean, it's not like it's the Declaration of Independence or anything. Like, <laughs> unless you're crawl space. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> In which case, it is. Steve Ditko is apparently Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> exactly. Probably closer to that. Actually, that's probably not far off the comparison. Actually, considering his political views. <laughs> We're going to talk about Ditko 24 well, now, Okay, now, Brad, here's the thing. The reason I would yeah. buy this for $200 is not for me, because I guarantee goddamn I could find some sucker who's willing to buy it over there in that Steve Ditko fan or FB fan thing. That thing that I... I, I, I guarantee you I could find somebody over there who'd be willing to pay probably 500 for it. You'd flip the Ditko. So I could double it's, my investment. Let me... Let me well, it's certainly wonder, not the people who are... who The three bidders so far. I want to <laughs> read... Well, no, man. Hey, you don't know that. The top bid's up to 1150 now, Jack. That's right. Yeah. That's and the free shipping. Don't today. forget that, too. That's a new show on Home and Garden. Okay, now, now Brad, I, I want to read what this guy wrote. I want to read the, the what this guy who? wrote as the item description. The guy selling oh, it. Okay, oh, yeah. Because this, this guy apparently thinks way more of this, and uh, apparently the okay. three people who just, you know... Bid ten bucks for it. Okay, go ahead. This letter is the holy grail <laughs> when it comes to Steve Ditko, who co-created The Amazing Spider-Man with Stan Lee. Written in 1969 after having many phone calls with Steve Johnson, this is what Steve Ditko sent back. A letter <laughs> that gives his viewpoints and quotes in the comic book industry at the time. It was also published in Fanzation number three. Oh, we already know about that, right? I mean, everyone loves Fanzation three. <laughs> and the world of Steve Ditko. This is signed and authenticated by PSA DNA, which probably means nothing to you. Update. Steve Ditko does not sign anything except for the letters he sends people, which then they post on the Internet. Or give interviews. And this may be the only one that's ever been PSA DNA authenticated, because that means something. <laughs> so this is the holy grail. Yeah. I can think of a lot of holy grails where Steve Ditko's work is concerned. Uh, a coffee-stained letter saying, yeah, your fanzine's okay. Why don't you change up the articles and don't be afraid to speak your mind? Isn't, isn't really it. And it's damn sure not worth 15 grand or half the price of a new effing car. <laughs> Uh, Joey, we haven't heard Jr.'s opinion on this one either. What? what I, <laughs> Not a goddamn I, 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 dime. 
not even knowing that you could flip it, Jr. Would you? Wh- well, flip I, well, it, I'm flipping you guys right now. You know. <laughs> is it a day ending in Y? Yeah, yeah of course you are. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I was I'm looking up what this PSA DNA thing actually means, and okay. does, does PSA, PSA stand, stand for, for perform- porn star affection? Well, no. I mean, that would make sense with the DNA part, I suppose. But I, I mean, was wrong? The, yeah, it actually stands for professional sports authenticator. Oh well, not, well, <laughs> we all remember how Steve Zitko went to the NBA after he left Marvel. What the hell? <laughs> so some sports uh, authorities decided this was really Steve Zitko. Coming up on the August edition of the Crawl Space, Steve Zitko signs baseballs. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Remember Steve Ditko's no-hitter against the Mets? <laughs> no, because it never effing happened. He's not Sandy Koufax. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, uh, that's apparently that's what it means, so... <laughs> that's a wrap on the news. Any final thoughts, Mr. Bailey? <laughs> well, I, I, I think the biggest thing, takeaway, that we could uh, have from this month is um, we don't really care about a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> I, we, he means him and Jr. Yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts on this Spider Month news. Spider News Month. I'm backwards. Well, I think, I think you're stretching the definition of news. But uh, <laughs> other than that, you know. You put the damn rundown together, you bastard. All right, uh, George. If we let Jr. put the rundown together. It's gonna. It's, it's, we're gonna cover the news in about five minutes. I know we would. <laughs> no, I'm just glad this is all over. Spectacular, Mike. Final word. Well, I thought that my news item was legitimate. Okay, Jr. So, I mean, there's that. And also, I find that you know, noticed that there was an actual nice theme running through this whole What's news the item. Theme? Copyright What's issues. Copyright, copyright issues and authentication. There you go. Yes. I didn't put that together. Very good. Yes. 